Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf and Golf Betting Podcast. This is a doozy. You're going to laugh a lot. It's a little lengthy, but we do have a 20-minute interview in the middle from Paul Tesori. Paul is a 20-year caddy on the PGA Tour, resident of Ponte Vedra, been playing golf at TPC Sawgrass for decades, caddies for Webb Simpson on the tour. He gave us 20 minutes worth of insight on how the course is going to play very differently in March this year versus May in years past. It is incredible information. You're going to want to hear it. You're not going to want to miss it. At the end, incredible chunk and run section where there's a ton of laughs, a lot of Tito's, maybe some vulgarity. You may want to put the earmuffs on the old kiddos towards the end of this one. The chunk and run at the end, you do not want to miss. So it's a little lengthy, but trust me, it's a goodie. We're going to talk about our favorite picks, our strategy for the week, you know, what you need to think about and do a little differently here for the Players' Championship. It's a jam-packed episode. Also, how you can win $250 in Masters swag from the Augusta National Golf Club. You need to know that. As always, presented by our friends at MyBookie.ag. Go to MyBookie.ag to get all the best golf betting offerings there are on the interwebs. Use promo code TOURJUNKIES when you sign up, and you get 50% deposit bonus on your money. You got to deposit at least $50. The deposit bonus works up to $1,000, and it's the best mobile betting site, online betting site in the business. Check it out. Enjoy the podcast. May your screens be green. What's going on, golf addicts? DB here. I got Pat Perry, the Tour Junkies, the Players' Championship Week from lovely Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, TPC Sawgrass. It is one of the best weeks of the year. I love this week. I like this week more than I like the PGA Championship, even though the PGA Championship is actually a major. But this is just a great week. We're going to be there this weekend. Pat, how are you feeling, my man? This is a big podcast for us. How are you feeling? What's the podcast juice on record for the evening? Well, I'm feeling really good, and uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and set the tone. Um, you know, it's the, it's the Players' Championship, the fifth major, as everyone likes to call it, and you mentioned, and... Uh, because of that, I'm gonna get on the Tito's tonight. This is this is gonna be a this, nice. This might you may I could possibly get to Planet Tito's. Mm. You know, I'm strapped in the seat. The rocket is ready to take off. I've got <laughs> uh, got a little Tito's and soda and a little splash of lime and I don't know. You know, it's a yes, double. Sir. It's a double. So we got a lot of rocket fuel. Is all I'll say. I mean, do you have actually actual doubles? Like when I'm in my house, because I'm so my podcast use on record tonight is of course Tito's as well. And when I'm when I'm pouring, like there's no like, do you actually measure out your your pour or do you just pour? Oh no, like probably a norm. It's like it's like when we talk units and betting. So like a typical unit for somebody actually <laughs> maybe a pat unit a is pat very unit different. is actually very different <laughs> than a typical unit. So for me, like like a double is really probably more like a quadruple, whereas for most people, you know. So I don't measure it out. Yeah, I don't have a. I'm not. I'm sit, not sitting there yeah. with a shot glass saying, okay, well I'm gonna have a double. I'm gonna pour this. Yeah, no, no. This is a, yeah. This is a pat double. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never measured out my um, my liquor when I'm at home. You know, when I'm when I'm mixing at home, I just don't. I just don't don't subscribe to that kind of that kind of nonsense. Um, but yeah, the Tito's is flowing. I, for one, hope that you're strapped in, the listeners are strapped in, and we do take a trip around Planet Tito's tonight because we do have a very, a very interesting 
possibly vulgar um, chunk and run section tonight that could get a little hairy. Mm. So I'm hoping that the Tito's kicks in by the time we get there. And of course, it's a big week, so we got a lot to talk about. We've got an interview with Paul Tesori, the caddy for Webb Simpson, coming up here in just a second. Uh, he's going to give us some incredible insight into the golf course. But before we do that, Pat, let's just talk briefly about the Arnold Palmer. Uh, lovely course, Bay Hill, uh, and the tournament was was fantastic. Great field. Did not see Francesco Molinari um, pop in the way that he did, but you know I, I like a little I like a little Fran. I like I like Fran. He's a good dude. He he thumped us in in Paris when we were at the Ryder Cup. Uh, but other than that, I, I like the guy. He clearly did it. I was really shocked that Rory didn't close the door on Sunday. I just kind of felt like. He was going to run away with it, and he just didn't. He just crumbled. Um, so anyway, I, I, I had a decent week. I kind of came back to earth uh, in terms of DFS after my pretty pretty solid week the week before at the Honda. Um, but you know, all in all, not 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 a terrible not a terrible week. H- how'd you do? You did a little better than me, I think, didn't you? No, if you count, I did. I did one Euro Euro DFS lineup with our with our buddy Ash Morrison, who just continues to put out fantastic yeah. content every week. And I basically just read his article on our site and went strictly with his picks, and uh, ended up doing well there. Uh, did a little twenty dollars single entry and won some money. But uh, as far as the as far as the Arnold Palmer, it was it was not great. It was it was just I just didn't. I had a few six of six lineups, but they just didn't really have any guys in yeah. there that that did all that much, you know. So just kind of a a blah week. You know, Rory pissed me off. I really like you. I thought he was going to win this thing, and I just I don't get his. I feel like he just doesn't have just that like killer attitude that he should have on a Sunday. You know, like mm. he's never like too like pissed off when he loses either like I always feel like he's a little too gracious in defeat um I don't know he, he just he, I, I need to see a little more out of Rory uh, I'm I'm now maybe I'm just grumpy tonight but yeah Rory was you, you, uh okay you know as you know I was really high on Rory last week too he was my cash play which by the way yeah. I put him in a cash lineup and, and that that lineup did cash it doubled up um oh. but it was five of six and it had uh Danny Danny Willett. 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 Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, we don't want to spend a lot of time on the API. There's there's some drama we could talk about, but it's going to be a full episode tonight, and there's just no point. So let's let's move on, Pat. Let's move on. Um, big news for us is we will be at the Players' Championship this weekend. Really looking forward to it. We've already had a few of you DM us, email us, telling us that you're going to be out there. Listen, we would love to meet any of you and all of you that we possibly can um, and shake your hand, tell you we appreciate your support, um, and maybe watch a little golf and share a few few adult beverages together. That would be a lot of fun. We arrive Friday late afternoon, early evening. We'll be at the golf course all day Saturday and probably all day Sunday, and it's going to be a great time. So uh, yeah, if if you're if you're there and around, definitely later on in the week, like Friday, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, DM us, email us, whatever you got. And uh, we'll try to we'll try to meet up. But I also I have a feeling that you'll recognize us. If you see us, you'll recognize us. Please say something. We'd love to meet you guys. It'd be a lot of fun. Why do you have a feeling they'll recognize us? <clears throat> well, I mean, you know, our 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 apparel is usually usually gives us away. Are you, are you planning planning on uh, like dressing all crazy and stuff? 
You got no. I'm, I'm no, no. I'm gonna wear. You know, I'm gonna wear the, the usual. I'm gonna wear a tournament like that. Are you gonna I'm make? Gonna are you gonna make me wear the caddy bib? Yeah, I am. I'm gonna make you wear the caddy bib on Saturday. Son We're wearing caddy bibs. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Right. What a wuss you are. You're such a wuss. <laughs> um, speaking of some fly clothing, we've talked about the towels that are in the TJ shop, which, by the way, we thank you guys for buying those. Those are flying off the shelves. Um, fantastic response so far from the towels. Uh, get in there and buy those before they're gone. But also, we just released a new polo. The Azalea shirt is in the shop, and it is an absolute beauty. We collaborated with our friends over at Bad Birdie Golf. They design some of the best polos in the golf game. They're they're wild designs, but in terms of like the quality of the shirt, the fit, the comfort, you could not ask for a better shirt. You never have to iron the thing. Literally never have to iron it. You could nah. sleep on top of the shirt, wad it up underneath you, go hang it up on the on the hanger, and the next day it's like zero wrinkles. Um, it's super comfy. Uh, but anyway, we collaborate with those know, guys. You would know because you wear those shirts. Like, I wear them all the time. I love them. It's like Absolutely master shirts for me, but you you wear these yeah. bad shirts. <laughs> so we collaborated with them and came up with a master's themed TJ shirt with a bunch of Golby heads and azalea flowers on the shirt. And it is a beautiful shirt. And we are selling you that shirt for very, very cheap. So go to our website, check that out. Um, we have a very limited run, one-time run of those polos. I think we've got only about, I don't know, we, we, don't, we don't have many left. So They're popping off the shelves. Out. Yeah, they are popping off the shelves. Also, uh, this week in terms of content, and actually every week, we need to let everybody know to check out the Amanda Rose reaction video that she is doing on the podcast every single week. It is one of, it's, it's just last week she did it and it was way better than I even thought she would do with it. Like I knew she would be really good at it, but it was even better. If you're not following Amanda, you need to on Twitter. She is at Amanda golf 59, Amanda golf 59. And also on Instagram, Amanda golf 59. She's absolutely hilarious. Does some great video work. And basically every week she is going to do a two minute live reaction video um, listening to the Tour Junkies podcast. So, you know, even if you listen, you're like, why do I need to watch this video? Well, she's just funny. And so you just need to watch it. Last week she talked about Pat being named P-Unit mm-hmm. and unit shaming. Um, it, was, it was a good time. But also it's a great thing to just share to let your, let your buddies know. Like, Because I know when me and Pat first started doing this, we were listening to podcasts and this is before we even started the Tour Junkies podcast. We were listening to other podcasts, and it was fun to get together and talk about, well, what would you think when that guy said this, and what about this? And, you know, if you've got buddies that haven't really caught the bug and you, you haven't really found a great way to explain it to them, just show them the video and be like, look, watch this, and this is kind of this will give you a snapshot of what the podcast is about. So you need to check it out. Uh, you need to check it out. Also, the John Tillery podcast is out. It is hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. We published it yesterday. We went in person, in the flesh, to visit Mr. John Tillery. He is a PGA Tour coach to Kevin Kisner, Scott Brown, Bryce Garnett, Roberto Castro, Michael Kim, um, and Smiley Kaufman at the moment. John Tillery's a good old boy. He's hilarious. Been on, been a coach on the tour for a few years now. We went to his teaching center 
in person late one night a couple weekends ago and recorded this podcast, and it is an absolute gem for many reasons. But in terms of quality content that you're going to hear from him, he's going to give you some dirt on his players, including a lot of stuff on Kevin Kisner. Uh, He's going to talk about what constitutes a tour emergency as a coach. What is, in his opinion, the most predictable information for DFS players and betters? His, uh, the stats that he hates and the problems with stats and the barometer on how his guys are hitting it. If he were gambling, what statistical fit would be, you know, how that would fit into his model. All this great stuff um, and some funny stories as well. Plus, at the end, we had gone through a lot of, a lot of wine and Pat mm. was in great form, I will say. Fantastic. Great form. Um, I do want to apologize for the audio on that one. It's a little rough. We, we don't usually record a, these live. Yeah, it was first time doing that. We learned a few lessons, I believe. Or, yeah, I learned or a few did. lessons. You can't, you can't have the microphone on the table and then people hitting the table because then it just sounds like a bomb's going off. So I apologize <laughs> for that. Um, but you, if, you could, if you can get through it, it is really, really funny and great content. So that's out there right now. You can listen to that. And finally, before we get to our friend Paul Tesori, who's going to give us a wonderful breakdown on how TPC Sawgrass is playing, I do want to remind you guys the Masters giveaway is going on right now, $250 to the Pro Shop at the Augusta National. You're sitting there. You're like, man, I can't make it to the Masters. I can't afford it. I didn't get picked in the lottery, whatever. But, man, I sure would love to have some stuff from the Pro Shop to make all my friends and family jealous. Well, here's how you enter to win. You need to go on our YouTube channel. Just search Tour Junkies on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the subscribe button, okay? That's one entry. Then if you want to add a second entry, you go to iTunes, and you look up the Tour Junkies podcast on iTunes, and you leave us a five-star review, an honest review. We've really enjoyed reading those. They've been uh, There have been some funny ones in there. If we have time later, I might pull one and read one. I read a good one the other day. Um, so, you know, leave, leave us an iTunes review. That's another entry. If you do both of those things, you have two entries. We're going to pick a name at random in a couple of weeks before the Masters, and we're going to hook you up. We're going to basically say, hey, what's your shirt size? What do you want up to $250? What can we go and get for you out of the pro shop? We will go. We will get it. We will buy it, and we will ship it to you. So there you go. That's the Masters $250 giveaway. Pat, anything else to add before we get right to the meat of the podcast tonight? No. Um, you, you've, you've done an excellent job so far. I'm trying to run through it here. Um, all right, here's what we got. Paul Tesori, big-time friend of the show, been on multiple times. We talk about it a little bit in the beginning. This is his 20th year on the PGA Tour. But Paul, um, I, he, we didn't get into this on the show, but he told me right before. He actually told me a funny story, Pat. I don't know that you knew this, but he, I guess his grandfather had something to do with TPC Sawgrass back in the day. And Paul remembers hitting a tee shot on 17 in 1981 before there was grass on the hole. Mm. I, I, I was blown away. Um, so nobody knows sawgrass like Paul Tesori. Obviously, it's his job to know it, but he also lives right there in Ponte Vedra. And we talked a lot about you know how the course is going to play different. It's very, very informative. It's about 20 minutes long, but it's chock full of content. You're going to want to listen. We'll come back. We'll recap what we think about it, what our favorite takeaways were. Uh, We'll get into the stats, the strategy, and go ahead and get right into the picks. All right, so here's Paul Tesori. Enjoy. 
All right, Golf Addicts, here we are. We've got a regular guest on the Tour Junkies podcast. I believe he still holds the record for most caddy appearances on the show. <laughs> In the near four years we've been doing this thing, our buddy Paul Tesori, caddy for Webb Simpson, been been on tour now for what, like 19 years now, Paul? Crazy, yeah. This is actually 20th season. Man, it's happened fast. Um, it just makes me uh, remember very quickly how old I am. Thinking about, I did a couple of interviews just talking about, you know, TPC and talking about my background here with my grandfather teaching me how to play. And I realized the first time I ever hit a shot on the 17th hole before it was open was 1981, which would be wow. 38 long years ago. Uh, it wasn't even grasped yet uh, when we had hit the shot. So uh, it, it's just crazy to me really? uh, how old I've gotten, how quick it's gotten. And uh, my favorite week of the year, here we go. Well, dude, you may you may feel old, but you're uh, you're a hawk because I can't think about <laughs> l- lugging that bag around the way you do as as much as you do in a in a season. So uh, you're still you're still a hawk in my eyes. Thank you, buddy. I kid with everybody. The bag gets lighter the more birdies you make, so that, that makes it easier when he's playing good. <laughs> well, obviously, last year you made plenty of birdies. You, you guys come in yes. as the defending champs to uh, you know at your favorite golf tournament of the year. Yeah. Um, and I know it's an event really special to you. So. Um, I mean, first of all, like, I, I, I feel like I want to know, like, what that feels like for you, for Weber, what you guys have been working on, how you feel going in, um, and any added responsibilities or pressures you think you'll feel? Yeah, um, pressure-wise, like, none. Um, I have, uh, you know, a couple of my friends have asked me, do you feel more pressure, less pressure? I said no, you know, I, if, if anything, less, because, I mean, we did something I had always hoped I would get to experience last year, and um, obviously we want to play well. We expect to play well. He's playing well. Um, we had had a little blip for a couple of weeks, uh, putting, but, uh, we got, uh, we got that figured out on Sunday at the Honda, um, putted great on Sunday and, and just, uh, kind of changed our drills up a little bit. So he's feeling good. Um, we got paired with Woods, uh, on Thursday and Friday, which, I mean, him and I have already talked to Weber and I, and it, that's a really, that's like a, a really big blessing all in the same time, because normally as the defending champ, you got all the attention on you. The eyes are on you, especially how he won last year, wire to wire, kind of ran away from everybody. But, you know, anytime you're playing with the greatest golfer of all time, uh, the, the, the spotlight's not going to be on you. The pressure's not going to be on you. Um, yeah. And playing with him and P. Reed the first two days, Thursday and Friday coming up, is, is nothing but a good thing. So um, I think we're both feeling really good. Uh, I know, obviously, you and I will talk a little bit about it, but the course is going to play quite a bit different um that it did in may and uh there's a there's a portion of that that isn't as uh fruitful for us uh for weber and i for our game um it's still a golf course that sets up great form still a golf course that he could definitely be the first to ever go back to back on but again not quite as uh um i guess web related as far as how the course will play you you mentioned the tiger thing i mean i would assume at this point, Webb's been around long enough, and he's established enough that it's not. Um, he, he doesn't feel. He, so obviously, I can. I get. I get how it deflects pressure in being the returning champion. But does it? Does some of that come back at you just because you're playing with Tiger, or is he pretty? He's pretty good with it. Yeah, you know, Webb's always been. He's always played his best golf with Tiger and Phil. Um, he. Right. Uh, it, I think it does add. There's no doubt. I mean, he's. He said that before. He's like, it definitely adds a little bit more. I don't know if nerves is the right thing. A little bit more 
um, anxious, maybe just a little more adrenaline. I, I think adrenaline's the right word instead of anything else. The first yeah. time he played with him, he felt a little of that anxiousness and nervousness. But now you just get a little yeah. bit more adrenaline. Whereas, you know, if you're one over through 11 holes, you don't have any energy. When you're playing with Woods, you still have energy. And at that level, that is nothing but a good thing. It's a positive for sure. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a situation where there is a lot going on um, at TPC. Um, it's already a pretty uh, strong uh, gallery anyway, so it won't be that much more awkward. There, there'll just be more of a buzz, um, to be honest with you. It'll be the morning round, whichever day that's going to be. Um, that will probably be a little bit different just because there'll be so many people there right out of the get-go. Um, I remember last year in the morning round not being many guys. I mean, even us in the last group on the weekend last year, we had smaller crowds than you could imagine um, just because, you know, three groups ahead of us was Woods making a run and, uh, and they were taking a lot of that from us. So um, I think it's nothing but a positive for sure. There is more to it. it. It takes a little bit more mental energy out of you just to stay focused. But yeah, as far as the adrenaline part, it's, it's a good thing. Nice. All right. So you mentioned the golf course, obviously being played like two months earlier than we're used to seeing it. Um, you know, and, and so you've got, I think, I think I've seen some uh, reports about it being pretty heavily overseeded. So just talk about the golf course. Mm -hmm. Obviously you're local, so you know, that course, yes. um, yeah. almost probably better than anyone out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. and being there you know, since I, 1981, hitting your first golf yeah, shot. Crazy. So. It, it, that's crazy. That's about nuts it. to me to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a, I think there's a report. There's only nine players playing that have played it in March that have seen uh, the conditions of the golf course. And it is quite different wow. though. It's, uh, I did all the research on it just because I wanted to know what I was talking about before I gave my opinion, but it's 13 degrees cooler um, at this date than it would be in May, which for us and, and the part I talked about um, that, that does impact us a little bit is the ball's going to be going a considerable amount shorter. Uh, anytime you get that heat up in those upper eighties or low nineties, the ball's going forever. And, I mean, we do have a good week. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing about March. Uh, one year you might come through here and it might be 81, blowing five miles an hour and beautiful. And the next year you might come back and we've got Nor'eastern coming in and upper 50s, blowing 25 with some mist coming up. But this year looks like every day but Saturday is going to be pretty good. Sunday's going to be cold, uh, high of 65, cold for here. Um, so that'll be, you know, 25 degrees cooler than it was last year on Sunday. And you talk about that golf ball going off the tee, that could be 20 yards um, with your irons, it could be a full club. Um, and so those are going to be a couple areas that will be a little tougher uh, for us. However, at the same token, we're going to be hitting the ball in the same spot, just different clubs off the tee. Uh, par five, number two, is a hole you'd rather hit a five-wood or three-wood off because it's a hole you have to turn the ball over, whereas this year we'll probably be forced to hit driver. Um, you know, other holes like, uh, for instance, seven last year was a three-wood. Uh, nine, the par five, we reached with five-wood, five-wood last year. Uh, with the ball running this year, that's going to be a driver and a three wood if we can even get home. And obviously, a hole like 18, we hit three wood and should have hit a seven iron last year on Sunday. We hit six iron, but uh, last year we hit three iron, so hybrid should have been a seven iron. This year, it'll probably be a driver and a five iron, um, just because it should be in two out of the right, that little north wind. So those differences will be different. Um, and the course is going to play, the fairways will play wider because the fairways will be softer. Anytime you get that overseed in, and we've had a little bit of a wet. Uh, winter, if you want to call that here, it's been pretty humid uh, for a winter, but uh, it, they'll be a little bit softer, so the fairways will play wider again. You know, playing a little bit more into play, a little bit more in the hands of the guys that, uh, you know, might hit the ball a little longer. I've texted with Phil a little bit. I think he's making some ways saying he's 50 50 on playing, but if there's yeah. any year he should play, it would be this year because when you have overseed, 
you get rid of a lot of that into the grain chipping and anybody that's familiar with our Florida golf courses or even anywhere oh, kind of in the it's south horrible you get that tight yes and, and people get terrified oh. you get that tight almost sandy into the grain chipping and it's extremely difficult even uh for the players at this level um that doesn't go away they might be better at handling it but they still get anxious still uncomfortable there still is a bit of mystery on how the ball is going to come out but when you have the overseed, the overseed, that ride kind of pops straight up. And chipping around the greens will be much simpler um, than it has been in the past. Um, you know, so I think that kind of outweighs the length difference. And I think you'll probably see a similar winning score. Not Weber's 18, but I think 14 under was second last year. I think that'll be about your winning score this year. Um, it, it still depends a little bit on the weather. But it looks like, again, we got some rain coming in Saturday. And then uh, kind of cool and windy on Sunday. Um, so I think it'll be uh, it'll be a good finish, but you'll you'll definitely see a few more drivers, a few more woods being hit, um, a little longer clubs being hit in the greens, and you'll probably see a little bit more spectacular uh, uh, efforts around the greens as far as your your chipping and wedging goes. Uh, yeah. You know, last year, for instance, like last year, those guys wouldn't have hit very many drivers. Uh, there just wasn't that many places where they needed to. In fact, you know, going through the golf course, I think guys like that really only needed to hit it once, um, and that being on eleven. As far as driver yeah. goes, uh, you know, a hole like 14, they could hit driver, but three woods fine too. A hole like 16, the par five, they could hit driver and hit it over the trees. Or for those guys, it's a three wood four iron um, into the green. So I think it goes from only one needed driver to probably now somewhere around that four area. Uh, five will now probably be a driver. It'll be a lot softer. We'll all be going a lot shorter. Um, now, a guy like Webb last year, we only hit uh, six drivers a day, I think was our average. This year, going through the golf course, I could see easy nine up to 11, depending on the wind direction. So, I mean, that's over mm. two times the amount of drivers, maybe even uh, a little over that. Um, now, if guys are struggling off the tee, a guy like Phil, you know, he can still pretty much play the golf course with one driver, and that being 11. And if he wanted, he could actually yeah. just take it out of the bag. He's long enough that he can still get home on 11 with a three-wood and a five-wood or something like that. So, you know, again, hearing him say 50-50 on his game, um, he was out there today. Um, I was out there today just doing a little coursework or whatever, and Phil was already out uh, in shorts doing his work. I've seen Kuchar out there the last few days. So um, he'll get it dialed in, and it might even be one of those weeks where if he wanted, he could go uh, driverless. So it'll depend a lot, but you will see some more drivers popping out this year. All right, a couple more, and we'll let you go. What's the? Uh, you said it was going to play a little wider because it'll be a little softer. Um, yeah. If you find yourself in the rough, what's the difference in the rough this year versus, you know, played in May? Yeah, so it's always a little hard to tell even right now. So, um, you know, most tour events that you see, uh, they do something called topping the rough off, which um, anybody that's been to a place where they're going to hold a tour event, if they go two weeks before, they will see rough that is almost unplayable. It'll probably be five inches, the ball sitting all the way uh, down. What they usually do for tour events is they'll come in and they'll cut that off to about three and a half inches. They What they call, they top it off. So the ball always falls to the bottom. And generally when that happens, you get what, what we call flyers. So balls are going to come in hotter, a lot more unpredictable, because they want guys going for greens, but they want a great shot to be on the green, not a okay or a decent shot. They want a great shot to find the green. They want those guys trying to reach the green on a hole like 18 or a hole like 15 at the players. They – they want that to be a risk and have to hit a great shot to hold the green. So it'll be interesting. The way it looked the other day, there's going to be a lot of what we call D flyers. Um, that rye grass popping in 
um, a lot of times the ball will come out soft. And again, if that's the case, it's going to, again, play to the hand, some of the stronger, longer guys that can kind of rip through that rye. Um, but all that being said, we're going to be 82, 83. Today it was 84 here. So, you know, all of a sudden that Bermuda, it'll start popping up in the bottom. And technically for Weber and I, I'd rather that Bermuda start to pop up in the bottom so we can get some jumpers and all of a sudden reach some of those holes. Like five last year, we hit it in the left rough three times. But because of the flyers, we were hitting eight irons and seven irons on the green for 220 yards, landing it well short of the green, letting it run up. Where this year with that rye, we probably couldn't reach the green. I mean, that's a pretty dramatic difference if you think about it, going from a seven to eight iron to maybe not even being able to reach this year. But with the warm weather, maybe that Bermuda will start popping up on the bottom and letting us get some of those jumpers. All right, last question I was going to kind of ask you is in terms of the greens. Obviously, the Bermuda, at this point of the year, are they any more or less grainy, difficult to putt, more receptive, less receptive for approach shots? How do you see that looking? Yeah, so if anything, are more receptive. But we're talking about because they – you know, when they redid the greens four years ago, they um, – help me, D. What do they have at Augusta? What do they put in uh, that sucks the moisture out of the greens? I'm having a brain freeze Oh, the freeze sub right air. Now. Sub air. Sub air, yep. They put sub air in. And so while they're probably going to be a smidge more receptive, uh, it won't be that much. And they'll still probably be able to control that until that rain comes on Saturday, and then it'll just depend on how much of that they get. Um, they will tend to putt with less grain which, again, I don't like. I want as much grain in those suckers as possible. I grew up on them. So yeah. the more I get to see, uh, the more I like. But all that does is just kind of make them roll, if anything, a little bit truer. They're so pure. The the tour's done such a good job the last few years minimizing rounds in the course, um, which if you've played as a public member, you've seen you're paying about double now because we need the course to be in better shape. We needed it to be yeah. the elite event that it is, and they have obviously created that now. Uh, the course is immaculate. There's not anything wrong with it at all. They have got the greens and fairways running as good as they could, and they've done a great job kind of turning that around and making it back to the premier event it should be. So um, I don't think you'll see a whole lot on there. If anything, just a smidge softer, and I would say a little bit more in their control. Um, last year, they they were kind of sketchy a little bit, like on Friday afternoon with those balls going over the green yeah. on 17. Guys were hitting beautiful golf shots there, and Going over the green, there were some sevens and nines being made there. And I don't believe that's the way that hole should be played. I think that top tier should be a little softer. And I, I think with the overseed and a little bit more with the a little cooler temperatures and a little bit more moisture in the air, they can control that a little better on that back tier on 17. What's what's your take on the uh, on how much the tour is pushing this this uh, <laughs> this as being an actual major? I mean, it's always been called the fifth major, but there's yeah. a lot of stuff being subtly mentioned about it being a major and even uh, just earlier a couple days ago we tweeted a a picture of charlie hoffman's instagram handle or instagram story and it said first major of the year can't wait and it was tpc and i I just i just love that (laughs) i tweeted it and i said is he being serious here and patton desire chimed in and patton's our boy we we love patton but he was like yeah i mean i see it as that and it's it's our tournament it's our thing what's your what's your take on that well, number one, without a doubt, statistically, it is the hardest tournament in the world to win. Um, right, right. 90, the, the worst field they had here in the last, I think, 18 years have been 96 of the top 100 players. Last year, 99 of the top 100 players. Um, it's the hardest field to win. You have to beat the strongest field in golf. And it's also, um, you know, one of those fields that only PGA Tour players and European Tour players, people that have a card, are in. You know, the other majors obviously have a small field at Augusta. 
Um, U.S. Open, you have a lot of qualifiers. Again, the PGA, you have your club professionals that get in as well, where the players, it is the one event um, that, you know, it, it's the strongest field in golf. It's held to the course the same one every year. And, and I think it's the hardest one to win because it doesn't favor anybody. Uh, it favors whoever plays the best that week, which I love courses like that. That it just kind of says who can play the best this week. And, and that's what you see. Yeah. You have a great list of Hall of Fame winners. And you also have a couple surprise ones that popped in there because that week they played better than everybody else and they could still go win it. I do believe it's a major. I don't believe in the say, well, there's always been four, so there should always be four. I, I think that's a ridiculous thought uh, process. You know, if other sports would have kept that, I think we would have still had two teams in the playoffs in baseball. We would have had six teams in the playoffs in basketball. And, um, you know, uh, Olympic-wise, there wouldn't be golf. There wouldn't be all these other sports. So I do believe it's So what be would a it major. take for and, it to and, actually be a major then? Well, I mean, it, it would like, take a pretty big push. And, you know, it would take – um, I remember this was a big debate back about 15 years ago. And, you know, unfortunately, the two guys that meant the most of the game at the time both said it's a huge tournament. It's the fifth biggest tournament in the world, but it's not a major. And that was Tiger. I think Phil said the same thing. And, you know, it's going to need a little bit of a push from that area. To be honest with you, if the commission of the PGA Tour gets together with the players and they want to make it happen, um, I think it's something that would happen. It would happen fairly fast. Um, and, but that's a big push, and they got to decide that's what they want first. What they've done to the tournament these last four years, um, especially since Jay, uh, Commissioner Monahan took over, is they have elevated the tournament financially, obviously, with our price, but even more so the golf course. They have turned this course in to just as immaculate as Augusta National. Uh, it is perfectly maintained, and it tests every single aspect of your game. And it's the hardest finishing but best finishing three holes in golf. Um, you can go birdie, 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 or eagle birdie, birdie, or, you know, you can finish double, double without missing yeah. a golf shot. So I think that's the kind of golf course that you want to have with so much on the line, and you can't win here unless you've got control of your emotions. And that's really what we ask out of major champions is that you're able to handle an immense amount of pressure. We had a seven-shot lead last year, and it's probably the least course on the PGA Tour, maybe in the world, that you would want to protect that lead because there is trouble from the very first yeah. hole all the way through 18, obviously 16, 17, 18, get all the, the brunt of the stories. But number two has more shots hit under 200 yards off the tee than the rest of the PGA tour combined. Number four is 395 yards and plays over par every year because of water off the tee, the bunker off the tee and water around the greens. There's just so many genius holes out there that, uh, um, it, it's definitely a major championship, uh, venue but even more so it's the strongest field of golf and will be every year probably for the next 50 yeah. years i mean i don't see another one that can compete with it love it paul i uh, love your insight appreciate your time i'h uh, looking forward to seeing you out there on the weekend the tour junkies will be present so we'll uh we'll be pulling for webb and, uh, and and you and hope to see the family appreciate it as we're going out why don't you hit us with uh anything latest news on the Tesori Family Foundation, the nonprofit that you and your wife work so diligently for. Anything coming up, anything our listeners can do to support it. Buddy, thanks for uh, telling me. Everybody go check out TesoriFamilyFoundation.org. And uh, we have one of our biggest events of the year this Wednesday, uh, our all-star kids clinic that we do across the street at Sawgrass Country Club. Uh, uh, Jordan Spieth comes over with me. We put on a clinic for 25 kids with special needs. And we got PGA Tour players, uh, teachers, and caddies. They get one-on-one -on -one instruction, all 25 kids from one of those three areas. and um, It's basically just about them being all-stars for the day and uh, us teaching them a game of golf. And then, of course, 
an enormous pizza party afterwards that we put on with 40 pizzas. So uh, that's that's uh, that's still the highlight as well when we're all said and done. But it is a day that we get a lot of tears from a lot of different men that uh, yeah. probably need it at this point of the year. And now that's <laughs> a little bit earlier, probably everybody's going to be a little fresher. But, um, you know, it's just something that we really look forward to. So check us out, SawyerFamilyFoundation.org, and uh, we just appreciate everybody's support. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate hey, your time, man. Hope you have a great thanks, week. brother, and thanks, Tour Junkies, and uh, hopefully we'll do something special. I'll get to talk to you again. Yeah, dude. Back to back. Do it. First time. I love it. I love it. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, that's our boy, Paul Tesori. Hope you guys um, found that useful. I really appreciate Paul hopping on the call and making that happen. Um, Pat, there is so much to take away from what from what Paul talked about. To me, I think the biggest thing that is we're starting to talk about the, the course and stats and what it's going to do, what it's going to play like, who it's going to fit, which is typically your course breakdown here. We all know what TPC Sawgrass is. You know, it's it's Bermuda, it's Florida, uh, typically just a ball strikers course, not overly, you know, doesn't usually play long uh, in Ponte Vedra. But I think one of the biggest things that, that Paul said is playing in March, an average of 13 degrees cooler is what he said. And it makes the course, quote, a considerable, uh, it means that the ball is going to go considerably shorter distances and he said 20 yards off the tee and probably a full club less with the irons. And to me, that was a big, big, big indicator in terms of how different this thing is actually going to play. There's a lot of talk about the grass and the overseed and all that stuff too, and we hit on that. But to me, that was, that was pretty impactful. What, what stood out to you, or, or what do you think about that, or what did you, what'd you pull from, from what Paul said? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I thought that was interesting. I, I, that was somewhere I did not think he was going to go, and, and it's obvious. It, I don't, I don't want to say obvious, but when you think about it, yeah, it certainly makes sense that it is going to be cooler this time of year than it is in, in May, you know, two months later when they typically play it. So I think that is going to be a big factor. And, you know, he also talked about just the fairways being being a little bit wider and softer and the greens being softer. We heard that from Patton Kazire when you put out that tweet actually about – um yeah about uh you know the fifth major kind of deal but um so i do think it is going to play soft i think it's going to be it, it's it's going to be more of a bombers type course i mean you know you look at this course if we were talking about this any other year you know a lot of times these guys can don't have to hit driver off the tee they can club down a little bit um yeah but it's going to be a little bit different and, and i think that you know the for me it's going to make me definitely lean more bombers and definitely take this tournament into a different style tournament than it normally always is, which is one where almost every single player has a shot. You know, you, you look at going back, you know, several years, I mean, from a guy like Webb winning to Jason Day to Siwoo Kim, you know, whatever. I mean, Fred Funk, you know, winning this tournament. It's just it used to bring a lot of players in the, in, into it, but I think it's going to play a little bit different this year especially, you know, after listening to what Paul said. Also, now this does not have to do with the course, but I thought it was very interesting, his comments about Tiger and yeah. and playing with Webb and, or Webb playing with Tiger and how actually it, it was less stressful because, you know, he's coming in as the previous champ, but – you know, when you're playing with Tiger, all the pressure really is 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 off because they're they're wondering what Tiger's going to do, not necessarily what Webb's going to do. 
Um, so I, I thought that was interesting as well. I thought that was a, you know a take that you don't normally hear about players who are who get paired with 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 Tiger. You don't you don't normally hear people say it it could be actually to the advantage of the player. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. I I feel like Tiger's gonna play. Obviously, that was a big deal last week in terms of the neck pain, which freaked us all out. Um, I think Tiger's gonna play. I think if he, I don't, I don't know. That's just my gut. Do you think he's playing? I do. I think he's gonna play. I mean, okay. I saw some tweets out there from, from him arriving on the course today, and of course, looking like a boss, like he always does every time he gets, you know, comes up. To <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think he's gonna play for sure. And I think it sets I, up well for him too, actually. I think another thing that that can play to the hand of more just ball strikers and bombers is what he said about the chipping and the, and the greens and putting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast when we went to Cuscawilla and, and they had that Bermuda, that really tight and kind of damp, soft Bermuda you have, around you have, the You're still having the nightmares chipping. about that, yeah. aren't you? Around the greens. It is super impossible to chip from. And Paul was just saying how, how, how it's easier. Uh, it gets rid of some of the grain in the chipping, makes it easier for guys, and it has been in May when it's warmer. Um, and the, and the overseas not there, the Bermuda's coming through and there's not as much rye in the grass. And then he talked about how the greens just don't quite roll as, or they, they roll a little more true. They're not quite as grainy. So it helps a guy that just, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, Paul was saying he wishes it would be more grainy because he knows how to read it. He's a, he's a Bermuda guy. He can help web out. Uh, but he talked about the greens being way more receptive, likely to play a little softer, putting with less grain, they're going to roll more true is what he said. They're just super pure. So to me, all of that, when you think about the wider fairways, the softer fairways, um, the colder temperatures, um, that if you miss greens, you don't have to have this incredible short game that you've had to have in years past in May to be able to get up and down out of this nasty Bermuda thatch is what it is. Um, and, and that, you know, the, the greens are going to be more receptive. To me, that just totally screams – you know, ball striker, bomber, that's that's where this course just feels like it's playing a lot different. And so I definitely weighted that. I looked at strokes gained off the tee. My key stats for the week are strokes gained off the tee. So looking at both distance and supreme accuracy, like a guy like Francesco Molinari does. I mean, you know, very accurate off the tee, but also hits his long irons really well. I mean, when he's talking about some of those holes, Paul went in detail on some of the holes where he remembers Webb hitting – you know, a, 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 a five iron in the fairway, and now he's going to be hitting a hybrid. Like, that's a big difference. So you need guy. if you're going to play a shorter hitter, you need a guy who can really pepper the long irons. Molinari does kind of that. But strokes gained off the tee for me, greens and regulation. Um, I did look at DraftKings points scored. I'm, I'm still looking at that, even though Sawgrass is a, isn't, you know, super easy. But I thought it was interesting. Paul said he thinks the winning score is still around 14 under. Um, so I'm still looking at birdies, and, and I am still looking at strokes game putting on Bermuda over the last 100 rounds, a big sample size there. Even if it's not quite as grainy, it's still grainy Bermuda, and he even talked about if we had a couple warm days, it could get a little more grainy. So I do think that's important, but I'm not taking into account chipping. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people talk about on Twitter already, you know, chipping and strokes gain around the green and scrambling. I mean, obviously you have to do that well, but I, it seems like based on what Paul's saying, it's going to be easier than it has been ever before. So if you're looking at past tournaments in the last five years when it was played in May with really, really grainy Bermuda that you're chipping from, 
you know, it, it may give you, you know, some something that would indicate it's more important than it is right now in March. So I didn't really take that into consideration. Those are my key stats. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm with you definitely on off the tee, um, you know, ball striking. I think that, you know, with any time I look at a par 72 course, I'm always looking at par 5 scoring. Um, yeah, I will. I, I, You know I'm a course history guy, but I'm going to dial it back a little bit this week when it comes to that. And I think you get gain, yeah. a, gain a little bit of an edge if you almost take this tournament like it's in a vacuum. It's totally different than it was yeah. in years past because of when it is. What we just heard from Paul Tesori, I think the stats are going to be a little bit different. I think it's a different type course. So, And that may burn me on you know for this week but i want to take as, as much advantage as i can going in this tournament because a lot of people are just going to maybe go off past history the stats that worked in the past all that kind of stuff is different this year so i'm i'm sort of sort of remaking the soup here and i think that you need to do that this week in order to have a good week so definitely going to be putting in driving distance in in, in my stats I, always going to have recent form but I think just cutting back a little bit on course history. Um, and then I think scoring. You look at birdie or better percentage opportunities gained. I think they, they are definitely going to score out there this week. So that is something I'm going to look at also. Speaking of stats, um, i got to give Fantasy National some credit. Our boy Moose continues to innovate over there at Fantasy National. The newest thing that he just released today as we're recording this, is the notes mm. on every player. Have you seen this? Yeah, one? I was just like looking at it, and I'm like, what the heck is this little note thing okay, beside the player here? This is awesome. On the on Fantasy National, you can click on the note by every single player, and you can either make your own notes that are private and no one else sees them, so you have them, or you can make a note and make it public and everyone can see it. So it's a lot of fun. I've already made a really good note on Jason Day. Um, that I think everyone needs to go and make sure you check out. So go to fantasynational.com slash TJ if you're not a member. Join, okay? And when you use that link, fantasynational.com slash TJ, you get 20% off of every subscription. Any subscription that you pick, weekly, monthly, or annually, use fantasynational.com slash TJ to sign up, and you get 20% off of it. It is the best stat engine around. I think another like close to sixty or seventy thousand dollars was won on DraftKings that we at least saw published on Twitter from Fantasy National users just last week. You got to get on it if you're not using it. You're making a big mistake. But another reason to do it is to at least get on there and see what I wrote about Jason Day. Um, <laughs> Those, you need to check that out. The notes are going to distract me because the notes because are it, be it's awesome. it's there's I'm already just pulling up Jason Day and there's only three <laughs> notes. But don't don't read mine. Don't I'm not gonna mine. read yours, but there's one above yours <coughs> that's public. The guy's a China doll with the pain threshold of a little child makes him unplayable. <laughs> like it's this gonna, stuff is gonna be I've already told Moose that it's dangerous. Like I've already told him like my biggest temptation is gonna be to leave absolutely ridiculous nonsense on as many players as I have time to do. So I, I'm really excited about it, but also hopefully you'll find some some other information. Um, but go join Fantasy National. Maybe people will put some helpful TJ. stuff too. <laughs> hey, speaking of helpful stuff, I'll say this: we've got a number of caddies that we've already talked to. Paul is one of them. You just heard, but we've got some others. We are going to be hearing from those guys on Tuesday and Wednesday about any changes they see in the golf course. 
any of that that we hear that we feel like would help you guys in in you know understanding what's going on, we'll try to add a section or or add a note in the chalk bomb this week. We'll we'll put that in the chalk bomb. Um, hey, maybe it'll make up for likely the chalk bomb winning the damn event. So. Uh, if we hear of anything extra, that's what we'll do. We'll throw it in the Chalk Bomb email. If you've not subscribed to the Chalk Bomb email, it is free. All you have to do is go to tourjunkies.com, go to the contact page, fill out that little form with first name, last name, email, and say subscribe me to the Chalk Bomb, and you are in. That's all you got to do. That's all you have to do. So subscribe to the Chalk Bomb, and we'll put anything that we hear additionally on Wednesday. I mean, Paul mentioned, you know, there's a chance that if the – if we have a couple warm days, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you know, the Bermuda could start popping up a little more on the greens, make them a little more grainy. Um, he talked about the rough and if the rye pops up or not, or if the tour tops off the rough, he gave that definition. All that kind of stuff is going to be interesting to know come Wednesday. And we'll be doing our best to try to get that information from our caddies. We can't guarantee it, but we'll do our best. So that's how you can get in on that. Um, all right, let's talk a little strategy, Pat. You know, it's 144-man, 140-man field, top 70 in ties make the cut. Um, we know this, and, and I think you can't argue this part. This really is the strongest field in golf. It's stronger than the Masters. Oh, yeah. It's, it's stronger than, than the U.S. Open, the British Open. It's the, the hardest the major to win, I think. It, don't say it's the hardest major. It's not a major. It's I mean, the sorry, the hardest tournament, tournament to, win. to win. I actually that was a Freudian slip. Maybe I really You're do think it's a major. Maybe I really do think this. it's a major. Yeah. And I'm totally against that thought, but I don't, I don't know. Good. Old Paul Tassori wasn't. Um, he was not. No. So, you know, it is still a really, really difficult golf tournament to win. The best players in the world are here. And they all want to win it. It's a big purse. It's big money. It's prestige. Um, they all want to win it. Like, even Brooks is here, and he's not in don't give a F mode. Okay? Like, they all want to win it. So, you know, I do think the way the course appears to be setting up right now, it may set up for a lot of different players and maybe some flyers. And I'm going to give you plenty. I like a lot of guys in the 6K tonight and some of the longer odds guys. And like Pat mentioned – in terms of past winners, we've definitely seen that. You know, however, you still have to keep in mind this is a really difficult course. But also, at least every year that I've been playing DFS, there is always a gaggle of PGA Tour players that should dominate the studs that absolutely crap themselves on this golf course. Absolutely just piss down their leg. You know, Sergio, Rom. You know, there's been meltdowns, Rory, Ricky sucked here when he hasn't won. Like, there's just meltdowns from top-tier players every single year. And it feels like it happens here more than any other course that I can remember. It just doesn't feel like a guaranteed thing for anybody. Um, so for me, in terms of, like, strategy, bankroll management, you know, I, I probably will play strictly GPPs. I'm not going to play cash because I feel like, I'm taking all the variable uh, – there's enough variance. I'm just going to dive, you know, uh, just head first into the pool of variance here and just roll with GPPs only. Um, I really want to try to limit my player pool this week. I don't want to be spread too thin. And I might lower my bankroll a little bit just because it's always kind of crazy. Um, you know, and with it now, this being the first year back in March in a while – 
I may lower it just a little bit. But I do agree with you, Pat, in some ex- in some in some ways there is an edge to be gained because of guys like Paul Tesori and and you know, being able to, you know, if Paul's right, which we got to believe he is, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't hearing that and there may be an edge there. Um, so it's kind of, I guess I'll kind of feel it out. All that to say, I think more than anything, you talked about lessening course history. We already talked about the stats and, we, you know, we know that stats don't mean as much as people like to think they mean. To me, that makes ownership numero uno. Mm, I mean, it just yeah. does. In GPPs, it just makes ownership leverage numero uno in my book and so here on monday night when we haven't listened to anybody else's podcast you know not not all the articles are out we haven't read those like we've seen a little activity on twitter but we don't i don't know who's getting talked up i can guess who's going to be popular but to me if you're playing tournaments it is ownership 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 and don't get too married to your guys too early in the week in the event that half your player pool is looking like chalk I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about it every week. Like, you can totally have chalky players. That's okay. But you got to have plenty of guys that are going to give you leverage. So um, I try to think through that a little bit in the picks that we're, that I'm going to give tonight, but I definitely feel like come Wednesday, you know, that could be all up in, all up in the air. Um, what, any thoughts for you in terms of strategy and bankroll and, and all that stuff? No, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think ownership is definitely going to be key this week for sure, more so than any other week. I mean, there's always a, a – you know, a portion of that that's that's key every week. But you know, as far as bankroll's concerned, I, I I just I'm just gonna be undisciplined as hell. So I love it <laughs> the fact that we've got. I mean, you can say all you want about it. I'm not I'm gonna play less and whatever. But this is the first big tournament we've had all year as far as contests and everything else. So I'm probably just gonna blow it out. I'm just gonna be honest with you. And uh, you know, we got the highest dollar GPPs again all year. Um, so yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, you know, I may not, I may not be as disciplined as you are. Um, I'll try. I mean, if you want me to, I'll try, but it's not gonna happen. Um, but really, yeah, going back, you know, as far as stats and all that's concerned, it's just I, I think you can, if you just want to, if you want to play bombers this week, even though it's not always bombers that um, have necessarily fared well on this course, play all bombers because you you get you're getting a different course than we see. In May, yeah. So I, I don't have a problem with using that as a strategy um, for this for this year, just because we don't have anything really to go off of yet. And uh, so I think that's that's probably something I may do in some GPPs is play all bombers, even though last year I wouldn't have done that. I, I wouldn't have done that. That would not right. have been my strategy. But this year I may do that. Right. Um. All right, well, let's get let's get into this, man. Let, I'm excited about this. I mean, if you're going to check ownership, you have to go to FanshareSports.com, which, by the way, they just redid their website, and it is slick AF. The website looks fantastic. Really proud of those guys over at Fanshare. They're great guys. We've worked with them for years. We've worked with these guys for years. We trust them. We've used their product for like three years now. Um, and they just launched a brand new website. You can go check it out. It's still fansharesports.com. But right now, this week, okay, this week only, if you go and sign up and get a pro membership and use the promo code TRENDING, okay, TRENDING, T-R-E-N-D-I-N-G, 
because that's what they're doing. They're telling you who's trending up and who's trending down. They go in and listen to all the podcasts, all the all the YouTube videos, read all the articles, read all the tweets, and tell you who's getting the chatter and who's not. That's how you can really gauge some ownership and find that leverage come Wednesday night. If you use the promo code TRENDING, you get 30% off of any subscription plan you choose, whether you choose weekly, monthly, or annually. 30%, all right? And that's this week only. Next week, we're not going to be able to give you 30%. This week only, 30% off promo code TRENDING on the brand new, improved, incredible-looking, great user interface FanshareSports.com promo code trending. That's where we'll be going Wednesday night for sure. Um, checking out these ownership uh, these these ownership numbers. So, props to our boys. Great job on the new site. Absolutely love it. I love this time of year. It's like the time of year where all, all the DFS providers and talking heads are giving it their best and and adding new features. And it only makes everything better and easier for everybody else. It's awesome. Um, all right, Pat. Let's get into the picks. The 9K and above range, we are going to give you three GPPs, a cash play, and a, a fade. Um, from $9,000 and above on DraftKings, that's from DJ all the way down to Xander. I'll start, Pat. I'll start um, with my three GPP plays. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play pretty heavy up top. You know, one thing we didn't mention is it is softer pricing. You know, th- DraftKings tends to do this on weeks where you're going to have a lot of public money or a lot of new money that doesn't really play regularly. The contests are bigger. There's people playing that are excited to play. They want to play their favorite players. They want to be able to fit them in a lineup. And you can see that this week. Pricing is pretty soft. There's a lot of value down at the bottom. For that reason, I think studs and duds, I'm going to have some studs and duds lineups. I'm going to have some some balance lineups. But I definitely like a couple of guys up here at the top, starting with Justin Thomas. I'm all in on JT. You know, one of the best approach numbers, greens and regulation numbers of anybody in this field. Um, not a bad Bermuda putter. Obviously, gain strokes off the tee. History here is not bad. Um, you know, T11 last year, T3 in 2016. I just love JT here. I feel like he's as safe a bet as anybody up here. Um, so I'm all in on JT. Also, Rory right below him at 10-8. You know, for everybody talking about Rory on, a, on, on Sunday at API, maybe not being able to close, kind of folding up, letting Molinari run away with it, maybe it throws a few people off of him. Maybe they see that he missed the cut last year. Maybe they're not on the bombers as much as we are. But, but damn, like Rory checks all the boxes still. He's, he is still hitting his golf ball pretty, pretty well. Uh, I mean, if you look at just the API, uh, it gained eight. It gained nine strokes tee to green, nine tee to green. Gained thirteen at WGC Mexico. Gained another nine at the Genesis. Gained another five at the Farmers. I mean, the guy is just absolutely dialed in in terms of, you know, in terms of his ball striking right now, and also a pretty good history outside of last year. A really strong course history. So JT and Rory right there at the top, I mean, I I love both of those guys. And then for my third GPP play, I'm going to go way down near the bottom, and I'm going to go with old Sergio. Mm. I'm going to go with old Sergio. He's got a pretty good history here, not in the last few years, but obviously Sergio has always played pretty well um, here here at TPC Sawgrass. Um, And at 9,100, He's in fantastic form, and we just saw him come off a, a ninth place finish at the Honda, sixth 
at the WGC Mexico at Honda. He gained 10 strokes tee to green, seven strokes WGC Mexico, five at the Genesis. Um, you know, so he's checking all the boxes. He's not a great putter, a great Bermuda putter in general, but just ball striking. He knows this golf course. He's got the experience. You know, we know that experience does matter here. We learned that last year talking to our buddy Adam Hayes, John Rahm's caddy. Experience makes a difference, and so I like those three. Those are my GPP locks. And actually, in cash, I'm going Sergio in cash. I feel I feel good about Serge in cash. Wow. Okay. Was that not what you expected? Um, that is not what I expected with Sergio. Okay, all right, interesting. Um, I, I was... I was not expecting that on Sergio Rory, and I can I can get um, Justin Thomas is is the man this week for me. I, I love him, so I'm totally with you there. I mean, he's top twenty in the field in driving distance, checks the box off the tee, number one in birdie or better percentage, number two in opportunities gained, number one in par five scoring. I mean, JT is just I think he is an automatic lock for me, so I love him this week. Uh, I like some John Rahm, and and here's here's why. You know, I talked about in the in the course preview that I may take some guys that may not have the greatest of course histories here, which he does not. I mean, he has not been good. He's finished T sixty three and T seventy two in his only two starts here. But I think the course sets up different for him, and I'm going to try to take advantage of that. Mm. And I think that the ownership. It's going to be lower because of that, because we haven't really seen him in, in even recent form. I mean, he was 45th at Mexico. But before that, at the Genesis, he was top 10. So I'm I'm kind of banking on – I mean, you mentioned ownership being key. I think it's going to be low for John Rahm. I think it's going to be lower than it normally should be. I like him when it looks – when you look at the stats. I mean, obviously, his you know, driving distance, he's got, got it there off the tee. Opportunities gained. Um you know, looking at par five scoring and then also, you know, birdie or better percentage, all of those. If, if he can just putt well, I tell you where his, his, the, the game has really been struggling and it has been approached to the green, but, you know, I just, I, it's too hard for me to pass up a, a very low, low owned John Rahm with his talent, his caddy and Adam Hayes. So I like him as a GPP play. And then, Another guy, Xander Shoffley. I was surprised you didn't mention him. I, I thought he was going to be mm. a play for you. I like him in cash and in GPPs. Ooh, you cash? Know, yeah, at nine thousand. Holy smokes! Yes, he's I, only he's. Oh, yeesh, yeesh. I don't know about Xander and cash. I love Xander. You know I do. Look, I got to disagree with you again on the cash take for Xander. Why? Oof. He's a thousand dollars less than Sergio. He's almost in just he's not a thousand. He's a hundred dollars less. I mean, a hundred dollars less, which means absolutely nothing. That's what I'm saying. It means no- you, you played Rory at eleven. You're last you're week. you're. That's what I'm saying. There's not a huge difference there. He's in the same form. I mean, he's finished you know top fifteen in his last few events. I just don't like the the lack. I know we said it's playing different, but I don't like the lack of experience if for your top tier guy. I don't like the spend on a guy who's only played here one time. And he, I mean, well, again, he I love now, Xander. I, 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 I'm contradicting I myself, but he did finish second love, here last year. We love Xander. I love Xander, but I also know he's kind of volatile. He is volatile at times. Well, what I like, little... again, what I like about him, this is this is my time to speak, David. This is, this is my time. Um, so if you'll just be quiet for a second uh, so that I can talk Dick. about Xander for a second. You know, he... 
he's long off the tee. Everybody, always, I'm one of those that always used to kind of think he's not, but he really is. Um, and this across the board, he's solid. He's number one in the field in strokes gained on par fives, which is tied with JT. They're both up there. So he's scoring there when he's got his chances. Um, you know, checks the box and approach. Also, birdie or better percentage opportunities gained. Everything. I mean, across the board, I just think he's a solid play. I will. So I don't mind playing him in cash and GPPs. Okay. So there you go. My time is done. I'll let you talk about your fade. All right. Who are your three again? Xander, Xander, Rom, JT, and Rom, and and okay. Xander and Cash. Okay. All right. Um, my fade is well, who was your be... cash play? Sergio. Oh yeah, Sergio. Okay. My fade is going to be Bryson DeChambeau. Um, for all for all that Bryson has done pretty well, he's not trending in the right direction. Last 24 rounds, he is 127th in greens and regulation out of this field. Last week at the Arnold Palmer, he lost four shots on his approach. Um, WGC Mexico, he wasn't great. He finished 56. He's just, again, he's just trending in the wrong direction. Obviously, super, super hot fall and, you know, pretty strong start to the year. But at least lately, when I'm looking at 9K and above, if I got to pick one, because I mean, I'll be honest, like I think all these, obviously all these guys are in play. I mean, we talked about the ownership thing. I think everybody in 9K and above is in play. If you're chatting us or tweeting us or DMing us on Wednesday saying, what do you think about this guy? And they're 9K and above. If you like them and they work for you, it's, it's going to be hard for us to tell you not to play them. Uh, it just is. We're, we're trying to pick our favorites right now. And, and so for me, that you heard my favorites – if I got a fade one right now, it's Bryson. Um, I think Tiger's in play. I think if Tiger tees it up, he's in play. Uh, he checks a lot of boxes for me. I think he's one to look at on fan share. I think he's definitely going to be one that you're going to want to check ownership on if people are scared away from the neck pain. He puts so, so good on Bermuda. Um, he's, his irons have been unbelievable. I, I, I think Tiger's in play. I think Jason Day's in play. You know, we didn't get into all the Jason Day withdrawal, but he withdrew for whatever reason. We're going to talk about I'm going to talk about Jason Day later in a chunk and run. But, I mean, if, if Day tees it up, he's in play just purely GPP. Like, he's go, you're going to be scared to death. You're going to be absolutely scared to death. But it would be a Jason Day move. If, if he weren't the, the hypochondriac that he is, and, he, and the reputation didn't precede him, then I would be a little more afraid of his withdrawal last week. But I think the withdrawal last week and then the trip around Disney means he ain't too bad. He just wants to make sure he's good for the biggest purse in golf at the Players' Championship. So if he tees it up, I think he's in play. So there, there's, there's not a lot of guys in here, but in terms of a stat fit going in the wrong direction – um, you know, a, a lack of tournament history for DeChambeau, that's where I lean. That's my fate. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think I agree with you on Tiger and Jason Day because it's like when you're looking at the stock market, you've got, you got two guys here where the, the news has been just completely negative, but everybody tends to overreact. And I, wanna, I actually want to, you know, buy the dip there. You know, when there's, a, when there's a, a player like that where there's been a dip because of – um, you know, whatever the news is, in this case with injuries, you know, I think there's there could be some, you know, some advantages to playing them. 
Um, now, if like you said, if they're if they're fine, they tee it up on you know on Thursday. Yeah, I think for GPPs, it's certainly worth worth a play because you're going to get super low ownership or much lower ownership than you normally would. So I do like that. And I, I don't mind the DeChambeau fade. And I had a tough time really finding a fade here because you could easily cop out and say Tiger and Jason Day are the fades yeah, coming off yeah. the injuries. But I didn't want to do that. So I'm going to go with Ricky. And, you know, here's the thing. He's had, you know, he's won here before, but then he's also blown up and missed the cut. You know, when you look at the stats that I looked at, he really doesn't pop a ton for me except for in birdie or better percentage. But driving distance, he's he's barely in the top 50 in the field. Um, you know, not checking the box off the tee. He's 43rd in the field there. He's 60th in strokes gained on par fives. He's 51st in strokes gained approach. So if I'm going to find a guy when it look when I look at stats and some of the ones that I do like, that's not really checking any boxes there. It's Ricky Fowler. And, look, I know he's won this year and whatever else. Didn't have a great week last week. And he, he wasn't good at, at Mexico. You kind of have really a couple a couple weeks in a row where he hasn't been all that great. So uh, I think if I'm going to pick a guy to fade and plant a flag on that, it's, it's going to be Ricky for me. And I think he'll probably be a little bit higher owned as well. I'm not sure I fully agree with that one, but okay, let's let's move on. Uh, you know, don't forget, people, if you're just now getting into this and you're playing some GPPs and some tournaments, we're talking about you needing to finish in the top one to three five percent to really get a, a good return on your money. I mean, yeah, you can still cash in the top twenty percent, but we're trying to win GPPs, trying to finish top ten in GPPs. So that's the reason for you know being not as afraid to play a Tiger or Jason Day. I don't know that I play Tiger or Jason Day in cash. I, I don't no, think there's need no. to. I think there's, it's too risky. So I mean, there's cash, a, I think you avoid this it. This is it, it, we are setting ourselves up for failure. By the way, you know this, don't you, David? When we <laughs> when we pick fades above nine k, it's just total yeah, yeah. setup. So yeah, there's a yeah. reason they're there. Um, all right, let's hit the eight k range quickly. We're gonna give you two GPPs, a cash and a fade. My two GPPs, I think the first one's going to be, well, not the first one. All right, first one's Patrick Cantlay. I love the ball striking angle. He's checking the boxes in off the tee numbers, greens and regulation, DraftKings points scored. Um, he's played here twice, both top 25 finishes. I just love where the dude's game is right now. Sixth place finish on Mexico, 15th at the Genesis. I think Cantlay's going to be a little lower owned because he's going to be right there with a guy who we've seen a lot of lately in Tommy Fleetwood. He's sandwiched in between Fleetwood, Molinari, who just won, Webb Simpson, your defending champ, Tony Finau, who everybody likes to play. So I think we could see a little less ownership on Cantlay, and I love the ball striking ability. Second is Hideki. I think Hideki's going to be chalky just because people like playing Hideki at 8,300. He's going to be a popular play, I believe. He's got a great history here outside of last year, but again, Every stud misses a cut here. Like, every stud misses a cut. It just happens every year. But before that, just absolutely crushed it. Uh, he gained 23 strokes in five years at TPC Sawgrass with a miscut. Um, and everything is clicking except for that pesky putter. Hideki is checking every box. He's top 10, top 20 in the field in every main category that I looked at. But his putter is absolutely horrific. Uh, he lost eight strokes at the Arnold Palmer and still finished 33rd. He gained 12 strokes tee to green. 
that has got to regress back to a mean for Hideki. I mean, he hasn't lost that many strokes at an event that I can since the Tour Championship in 2017 putting. So that's not going to happen again. And given the way the ball striking is going for Hideki right now, I love the upside. And so I and I don't care if he's popular. I think at 8,300 for what I get with Hideki, he's going to be one that I'm going to eat the chalk. Um, so there you go. And and with that, Hideki is also my cash play. I debated on Molinari as my cash play. I like Molinari. He just barely missed the cut here. But I think Hideki's my cash play. I just love him. So there you go. Okay, wow. Yeah, so I'm not on Hideki like as much as you are, but I'll go ahead and say that Cantlay was, was one of my GPP plays, so I won't, I won't harp right. on that. Agreement um, there. But I like some Tony Finau at 8,400. I, I think he is he's definitely in play in GPPs. I'll be interested to check fan share on where his ownership is. Here's the thing with him. Everything in his game has been clicking. And actually, where you see the worst, like if you look at the last few events uh, at the WGC Mexico and then at the Genesis, where he was, you know, he was 15th at the Genesis. Now he's 25th at, the, at Mexico, which is a short field event. But it's been around the greens is where he's been kind of struggling a little bit. He, he lost four strokes on the field in Mexico. He lost three strokes on the field in, at, at the Genesis, but still finished top 15. You mentioned scrambling as kind of not being one of the huge stats that you thought would be you know something that would be huge this week and be a little bit easier around the greens. So I think that plays into his hands a little bit better. And going with the theme that I'm just going to kind of – you know, plant the flag on here is he doesn't have the greatest course history, but I think it sets up again, like Rom is a better course for him this year, a softer course where he can use his distance as an advantage. You know, you look at, you know, as far as the stats are concerned, he's top 20 in the field in driving distance, you know, top 20 and off the, off the tee par five scoring checks the box there. So I think, I think Tony Finau is, this is and I've I've said all year I think this is a huge year for Finau and you know we don't typically get wins out of him but I love the price at 8400 and who knows this could be an event where he does win because we do get random winners I mean that just seems to happen um so I like some Finau as far as cash is concerned man I got a tough time getting off of Matt Kuchar in cash I mean, he, yeah, I don't mind that play. Either. He's he's won here before. You get him at eight thousand. I know that's a that's a pretty soft price for him, but just a guy week in and week out yeah. is solid cut maker right there. If you want to play a cash lineup that's balanced, he's he's the core right there at eight thousand. So so there you go. My fade at eighty one hundred is going to be Patrick Reed. You know, history here is not great. I mean, he's made the cut three out of five years. No real great finishes in the last five years. He's gained about four strokes total. Um, in terms of boxes that he checks, the only box he really checks is strokes gained putting on Bermuda. Doesn't check the box in strokes gained off the tee or greens in regulation in the last 24 rounds. And if you look at what P. Reed's done, I mean, all of his really solid finishes so far in 2019 have involved serious um, positive strokes gained putting numbers. At the Sony... Five point uh, six strokes gained at the Farmers, eight strokes gained, AT&T, three, WGC, four. And those were all top 20, top 22s, top 15s. You know, but then he gets to the Arnold Palmer last week and he finished 50th because he didn't gain strokes putting. 
You know, the ball striking just isn't there for Patrick Reed right now, and I don't think now that it's a little easier to chip on these, according to Paul Tesori, you know, I, I don't think it's as important for the short game. I think he's going to need to hit it a little better, and I just don't see it. So at 8,100, I think Reed's a clear fade. Well, I'm going to go with <laughs> – I, I think you're going to not like this at all just because I know this – I, I don't know. I feel like this is like your your other man crush based off of our guest tonight on the show. But I'm going to fade Webb Simpson. You know, even Paul mentioned the course doesn't set up near as well as it, as it has in the past for him based off of the conditions – with being earlier in the year and he's not really checking any boxes for me I mean, he's 125th in the field in driving distance 104th off the tee 84th and birdie or better percentage paul mentioned in his comments that he hadn't been putting that well he thought they'd mentioned they'd, they'd work something out in mexico uh i think is what he said and maybe their last day there um or maybe it was honda but he was yeah, still, I think, I think yeah. But he still lost strokes putting at, at Honda and at Mexico. And w- here's the thing: we've always talked about with Webb, his game is always great when it comes to ball striking. But when when putting is an issue, it's a problem for him. And we've seen that in the last three or four events. So he started the tournament at Champions. He lost two strokes there. He lost strokes in Mexico. He lost strokes at the Honda. So, you know, maybe they figured something out on one day there, but the trend is that he's not putting very well. So that concerns me a little bit. He's coming in as a defending champ. I just, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not big on Webb this week. I don't hate the fade, actually. I'm not against it. Um, all right, Pat, this is what we're going to do. I need to go refill so I can be really sharp for the Chunk and Run and the DraftKings after dark tonight. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let you start the 7K range, and I'll be back. All right. Well, enjoy yourself. Um, Yeah, so we're going to start the 7K range for me. I'm going to start with my boy Phil Mickelson, who said that he may not play this week. But you know what? I'm okay with it. I actually think that uh, this course – as I've said, the, it's the theme of the episode. I think it's just uh, it plays different this week, and I like him at 7,900. He's he's actually been uh, great as far as driving. You know, you think of Phil as not very good in driving distance. Actually, he is seventh in the field in driving distance. He's ninth in birdie or better percentage. He's tweeted out a bunch. Is if you if you are on Twitter, which you should be if you're playing DFS golf. He's talked about how much he likes the setup this week. The rough is down. He loves that. And that's that's Mickelson for you because he's all over the place off the tee. But if he can take advantage of his length, obviously his his approach game and everything else, I think he's going to do well. So I like some Phil Mickelson at 7,900. Also right down below him, some Paul Casey at 7,900. Another guy checking a ton of boxes for me. Off the tee, opportunities gained. Birdie or better percentage, top 10 in the field in par 5 scoring, top 15 in strokes gained approach, a guy that's been in good recent form. He battled Mickelson, by the way, down the stretch at the AT&T. So I think Paul Casey at 7,900 is another good GPP play. And then you know what? I'm going to drop down a little bit into the mid-range area and take some Gary Woodland at 7,500, a guy – David, I know you love him, but you probably hate him this week because you know what? You think this is just not the course for him. But, again, I think it's going to play into his hands a little bit better. Um, Obviously, Woodland's always great off the tee with his driving distance, everything else. 
uh, scoring a ton this year in great recent form. So I, I love some Gary Woodland, some Paul Casey, and Phil Mickelson in GPPs for this week. Okay. The By the way, 7K has a lot of guys. This was hard for me because there are a yeah, lot of guys in this area that I love. Um, but those are my three favorite plays. Well, you would you would be completely wrong if you think I'm getting off of Gary Woodland. I'm riding that horse all year long, and I'm all over it. I Gary Woodland's one I wrote down. In fact, he is also my cash play. I love Gary Woodland at 7,500. The way this sets up for him, better than ever, I believe. Um, and and even honestly, I mean, Gary plays shorter courses well anyway. It's a little surprising that he hasn't played. Um, this event a little better in the past. So I love Gary Woodland. I do like your Paul Casey play. He he nearly made my top three. But I, I tried to go with a little more value here in the 7K range. Obviously, really liking guys like JT and Rory. So I'm going to have to stack up with some of these lower guys down here at the bottom. So I went with Gary Charles Howell III. I love Our boy CH3 checks a lot of boxes 13th and off the tee number one in this field in greens and regulation over the last 24 rounds 15th in DraftKings points scored um you know so i you know played here last year finished 17th doesn't get to play here a lot um but i love charles howell at that price at 7300 i feel like that's a really good play and then a guy that i just feel really good about where he's at right now i mean his recent play is is super super solid and that's lucas glover I mean, the dude has gained 31 strokes in three events over the last six weeks. He is golfing his ball, as they like to say. He's 26th and off the tee, 5th in greens and regulation, 25th in DraftKings points scored. But here's a real crazy one. Now, you're going to hear the number and think, well, that ain't that great. He's 55th in strokes gained putting on Bermuda over the last 100 rounds. Now, we know Lucas Glover is a really garbage putter. We know that he's a garbage putter. In fact, he loses strokes on every single surface that he puts on. If you look at fantasynational.com slash TJ, you can see that he loses strokes on every green surface, Bent, Poa, and Bermuda. But the one that he loses the least amount of strokes on is Bermuda. And just the way that he's, he's hitting the ball right now is just really, really, really good. Um, I mean, his last his finishes so far in this fall swing, 17th, 14th, 7th, 11th, 12th, miscut at the waste management, 7th, 4th, and 10th. I don't know how you don't play Lucas Glover at $7,100. I think he's a lock. And he's another one, kind of like Hideki, that even if he's chalk, I think I'm actually, I think I'm going to say it, I think I'm actually going to play Lucas Glover even though he's going to be chalky. At $7,100. It's just too good <laughs> to pass hard, hard to say that's chalk, yeah. but I think you're probably right. <clears throat> did you say your cash play? Who's your cash play? I did not. Actually, my cash play is a little different, and I think you can probably play them in GPPs as well. But I just – I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, – I'm going back to the well with some Rafa Cabrera-Bella. I mean, he's <laughs> he's uh, obviously screwed us on the chalk bomb, damn it. Um <laughs> But a guy that's played well here in the past is in, in, in just really good recent form, and that doesn't seem to be stopping. We thought it might stop last week, but it, but it really didn't. Um, so, and a guy that is, you know, that does have good course history here, and I'm willing to, you know, not necessarily the, the, the fit that I'm looking for as far as 
GPPs are concerned, um, but I like them in cash. So I will go with uh, Carberbello. All right, in terms of fades, two fades in this area, I'm going to give you a defending champ in Siwoo Kim. I just, yeah, I just don't think you do. Soft pricing. I know Siwoo's been playing a little better, but despite that, he's still not checking boxes. He's almost dead last in strokes game putting on Bermuda over the last 100 rounds long term. He's 112th in greens and regulation, 95th in strokes gained off the tee, you know, other than the than the win in 2017, nothing that really really jumps off the page. Um, and if you look at the if you look at the the numbers, I mean, it's he's gained a lot of strokes putting when he's had good finishes. Third at the Genesis, he gained seven seven strokes. Fourth at the AT and T, he gained four strokes. So I'm just not buying Siwoo Kim as a defending champ, not defending champ, but a past champ. <clears throat> and, and I don't like spending the money at 7700 Right above him, Louis Oosthuizen at 7800 Another guy with kind of hit-or-miss form uh, or, or hit-or-miss uh, history here at Sawgrass and doesn't check any boxes other than distance. But even with distance in his favor, he's not hitting enough fairways with that distance. He's 77th in the field in strokes gained off the tee, and he, you know, he hasn't really played well lately either. So I think 7800 is not worth the spend. When you've got guys like Woodland, CH3, Glover, you know, some of these guys down below him, I just don't think you spend up on those. So those are my fates. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you actually on both those. But um, I'll throw out as uh, – because Oosthuizen was, was one of mine. But I'll throw out some Billy Horschel. And I think that that's, that, that's, that might be a little bold. Uh, but here's okay. the thing. He's really just not – he's not checking boxes for me. I mean, you look at um, – you know, actually really across the board. I mean, there's just nothing. I mean, like, he's 128th in the field in driving distance, 112th off the tee, 133rd in opportunities gained. Now I'm looking at the last um, 24 rounds, 89th in birdie or better percentage, um, 74th in the field in strokes gained on par five. So, I, I, don't, I mean, I know Horschel's a guy. He's a Florida guy. Um, you know, grew up on courses like this is, is probably, and he's played okay here in the past, but I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of Horseman. I think his ownership is going to be a little bit up there as well with that price of 7,400 based off of recent form. So I think I'm going to be off, off some, uh, off the gator this week. All right, let's get into the 6K and button this bad boy up. I mean, you talk about a lot of decisions to be made in the 7K. I think there's a ton of decisions to be made in the oh, 6K man. as well. I, I'm i going to really have to narrow this down um, come Wednesday. I, I'm, You know, obviously I think ownership will be a little more spread out down here. Maybe some people are doing a lot of balance lineups where they don't have to get in this range. I'm going to have some lineups with plenty of folks in the 6K. I feel like I'm going to have to narrow it down. It's going to be tough. Um I got like seven names, so I'm trying to pick through three. Who do do you have three that you've like landed on that you feel good about? I got so I have I'm like you. I have several names down here, and I agree. I think this is a this is a range that normally most weeks you don't have to. I mean, you can dip down here, but this week I think you really could you could win or lose some GPPs in this in this range. I, I really truly believe that, and. You know, we're trying to kind of narrow the, the, the amount of picks that we put here. So I'm going to give you – I had two, but I'm going to give you three. And one is starting off 
up more towards the top, and that's Ben on at 6,800. He just has been playing fantastic lately. The only thing that he is not doing well is putting, but still finishing up at like the top 10 last week. I mean, you look at Ben on, he has been losing strokes like every week putting. But we know that can always change. And so I think Ben on is a great play at 6,800. I love it. I mean, you look at last week, he was top 10, uh, T36 at the Honda, you know, checks boxes all around. I mean, across the board, actually, when I put all the stats that I loved in Fantasy National, he was seventh. He's 32nd in driving distance, 29th off the tee, 10th opportunities gained. Checks the box and birdie or better percentage and also strokes gained approach. So I love some Ben on this week at 6,800. Also, another guy that I think is just, you know, I don't know how you can avoid him lately, and that's Jason Kokrak. I mean, just yeah. he's been on fire. He's obviously great off the tee. He's been scoring like crazy. Checks the box and approach. I, I just I have a hard time not playing some Kokrak. And then the cheapest guy I'm going to give you, I'm going to go all the way down to 6,300. Martin Trainer just won what? over at Puerto Rico a few weeks ago. He won. He, now, <laughs> what? This is Martin a flyer Trainer. play. Now, this is not Jeez. like my favorite guy in the 6K range, but I think he's a good flyer play for a week like this where you have such a huge field anybody can win and how love what i love about him is where he's he's checking the box in par five scoring and driving distance where he's top 15 in the field in both of those stat categories so i think martin trainer is a good really low owned flyer play because you know what we could give you the harold varners of the world which you're about to say and we could give you uh you know, somebody up here, up in the high 6K range, like Keith Mitchell, which you're probably going to talk about as well. Well, I mean, we all knew you were going to say Byung-Hun on, so don't 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 act like that's some freaking revelation. But I'm going to give you're being, you... You're being careless with Martin Trainer. That's just careless. No, that's a... That's 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 a, that's a, Yeah, that's, you're right. That's a careless play. But I like making a careless play in the 6K range this week. All right, yeah, I, I am going to give you Keith Mitchell. I... I got to say, I didn't really think Keith was going to bounce off the win last week the way that he did. But, I mean, he, the dude could have won back-to-back last week. He was getting real hot on the weekend at Bay Hill. And I just think he's playing with such confidence right now. He checks the box tee to green. He checks the box in, in uh, uh, DraftKings scoring. He puts better on Bermuda than he does on a lot of other surfaces. Not great, but better. You know, last year he finished 77th. He sucked. But, you know, we're not taking that into consideration. It's definitely a different uh, a different day here being in March. So I think Mitchell is worth the play at 6,800. Could not agree more with the Jason Kokrak take. I would play Kokrak in cash. I think the value you for could, Jason for Kokrak sure. yeah. at 6,700 is a cash play for show. Um, I, I kind of had Byung-Hun on circled there. I was kind of digging him, so I'm not going to hate on you for that one. Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go even. Let me let me find him. Where is he? I'm gonna go two. I'm gonna give you two more just super flyers. Low, 6100 Johnny Vegas is interesting to me. I mean Johnny just How can't put four 6, rounds. How is he 6100 by the way? Yeah, he, but he just can't put four rounds together. I mean I just hit him 100 to one as a first round leader at the Honda two weeks ago. I mean look at his. I mean. A 10th place finish at the Waste Management, which is a pretty strong field. Miscut at the Genesis, okay. 16th at the Honda, not a strong field. 23rd at the API. I mean, 
Like $6,100, $100 off of a minimum price for a guy who gains strokes off the tee, you know, just just needs to just need some things to click on the Bermuda green surfaces. I mean, that's that's kind of egregious to me. It's it's borderline irresponsible um, of DraftKings. So I think Johnny V is interesting. And then at the bare minimum price, I think Trey Mullinax is in play. Here's another bomber. Not a lot of experience, but he's only six thousand dollars. He's played here one time, missed the cut last year. Checks the box in strokes gained off the tee. Hits it a long way. Checks the box in greens and regulation. Checks the box in DraftKings points scored. Um, and I mean, just recent results for Trey. Uh, he's had a he's had a pretty good year so far in 2019. Um, you know, top 25 at the Farmers, 15th at the Waste Management, 22nd at Pebble Beach. Those are all solid events. I just think for the bare minimum price, he is worth a few shares in GPPs. It's really hard to pass him up. So and pair him up with a couple of studs up top, and I love it. So there you go. There's the picks. How are we feeling, Pat? We feeling all right? Feeling good? I'm getting there. I'm close to Planet Tito's. We're, we're all in right. route. We're in route to Planet Tito's. Let's hit the one and done before we get to the chunk and run portion of tonight's podcast, and we'll button this bad boy up. You're yep. going to want to stick around for the chunk and run. We're going to have a good time. What, what you got? Are you ready for my one and done? Yeah, who's your one and done? Uh, it's. I feel like this may be yours, but I'm going with JT. I'm going with Justin Thomas this week. It was my All right. It was very close to being mine. Very, very close to being mine. Um, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna hold off just just a wee bit on um, on JT. I am going to risk it. Okay. So I am. I am doing okay in the one and done. Like my guys are making the cut, but nobody's making any freaking. You're not money. even I'm doing. Yet. You're not even close to me in the one and done. I've I know, made I'm, every I'm, single cut, almost all top fifteens. Okay. You're yeah. terrible. Yeah, I am terrible. So I need I need a lot of help. And by the way, I, you should mention this. We need to talk about this. All right, Tito's is kicking in here. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of money in this tournament. This is a huge is, week. Yeah. Like, don't don't just think because it's the fifth major. That's true. That yeah, the money's not That's there. True. This is like this is up there. There's some money this week. So this is a big one. That Go is ahead. true. The, Go ahead, the, David. the purse the purse is rather large. Um, I am going to go. I'm going to trust it. <clears throat> I'm going to trust that he tees off. I'm going Tiger. I think I can get Tiger on a golf course that he can win, and people will be a little bit scared. I think this is the lowest-owned, one-and-done Tiger tournament of the year. And obviously, we play over at Guff's Corner, so we're going to have to have the alternate pick in. So I'm going to have to figure that out. But for right now, I believe Tiger plays, and I need I need to play him, and I need him to play well. And I need a lot of people not to play him because I need to I need to pass a lot of folks. So I'm going Tiger. Okay. I'm all right with that. I like yep. getting a little risky. I got to man. I'm too far. I'm so far behind right man, now. I mean, I'm just my guys are just my guys are just finishing like 30th every week, yeah. 20th. Every I was week. really happy. By the way, we somebody added us about my Ben on one and done pick. He finished top 10 last week. Yeah, that was a good pick. He finished better than me. That's right. Um, all right, Pat, let's get to the chunk and run. It's a good one tonight. We're going to have some fun with this one. Let's Hold on. Let's let's take some sips here. <clears throat> I think I've taken enough sips. but Okay. And we got DraftKings tour junkies after dark later. It's going to be interesting. That's right. You better watch that on YouTube. DraftKings YouTube, 20-minute show on the Internet. Me and Pat, our faces 
were looking at each other, drinking a lot of Tito's and talking about the picks that we just made that we really hate. And it's free to watch. Tour Junkies After Dark. Check it out, YouTube. All right. <clears throat> we're going to do a fun game. Instead of Mary Kill Screw, we're going to play Roommate, Fight to the Death, Sleep with Your Wife, PGA Tour, TPC Sawgrass Edition. Okay? Here's what we got to do. You got three players that we're going to give you in three different divisions. Me and Pat have to say which one we would want to be our roommate for the rest of our lives, which one we'd like to fight to the death, and which one we would prefer to allow sleep with our wife. <sighs> All right, Pat. Well, let's start it off with physical ability. By the way, like the fact that like some of these, especially this first division. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I took that. In, you have to take that into consideration. All right. So the first division is the stud division, which features Adam Scott. Brooks Kepka and Jason Day. So we got to pick one of those guys as a roommate, fight to the death, and sleep with your wife. I'll go first, Pat. Uh, I think it's very simple who you fight here. I think in this group you fight Jason Day because I knew you were going to say that. He's just a he's just a uh, he's just a little he's just he's just so so frail and so fragile. You know, like you pop him one good time and his nose starts running a little bit, he's going to pass out, he's going to collapse, he's going to withdraw from the fight. You know, I, th I think it would be easy, I think it would be very easy to take on Jason Day in a brawl. Um, I know he's kind of large, but I, I just think he would go down. You could probably step on his toe and, like, he'd be fine. So I think Jason Day is a no-brainer in terms of the fight. Now, that leaves Brooks and Adam Scott, which makes it impossible to win in terms of sleeping with your wife because both are absolute studs and man-dimes. So I thought of it that way, like I'm screwed on that way no matter where I go. So who would I rather have as the roommate? And I think we all know that answer, and that is Brooks Kepka. I would much rather have Brooks as my roommate because I love Brooks. He's my boy. He's my man crush. I love Brooks. I love honest Brooks. I love outspoken, candid Brooks. I love the brazen Brooks that we're getting right now these days. So he is my roommate. We would hang out. We would chat it up. We would we'd work out together, and um, I'd let Adam Scott give it a run, and and my wife would, you know, just it just she would just enjoy herself. So that's my picks. I thought about this so different than you did. <laughs> I mean, so different than you did. Like I, I kind of thought this one was a no-brainer. So that's I didn't crazy. really even think about this as far as physical ability. And as a matter of fact, I mean, it's just totally opposite. Because here's the thing: like, if I'm looking for a roommate, I just want somebody that's actually cool to hang out with. That ain't happening with Brooks Kepka. Screw that. That guy. I I would not be able to hang out with Brooks Kepka. I mean, like, we might sit there and talk for like two seconds, and then he starts talking about lifting weights and whatever else, and just beefcake <laughs> shit. So I don't know. Brooks Kepka would not be the guy. As a matter of fact, that's why he'd be the guy I'd want to kill. And I don't care. I might die trying, but I'm going to kill that guy. Yeesh, so yeesh. guess yeah, what? He's he, bludgeoning you. So he's he he's the one I'm going to fight to the death, and I'm probably going to die, but I'm going to do it. Try it anyway. Jason Day is actually who I would let. It would be the uh, would be the sleep with your wife. I don't know. He just seems oh. like a good good guy. I feel like afterwards, I don't know. You think he'd be gentle? I don't know. Just feel like it'd be. Yeah. Whatever. I get that. Um, I get that. Adam Scott would be my roommate. I just feel like he'd be fun to hang out with. Is yeah. Uh, yeah. He's an Aussie. He'd be a good wingman. You know. I mean. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Let's see. Jason Day is over there sleeping with my wife. Might as well have a good 
wingman with me, and Adam Scott's the perfect <laughs> wingman. The guy's hot as hell. It's according to most women. So, yeah. you know, yeah. could have him hanging out there. you got to think about these things thoroughly, David. You can't just think about, like, physical abilities and stuff like that. Yeah, clearly you're a few steps ahead of me on that one. All right, all right, I got it. Um, all right, why don't you tell us about the next division, and you, you can lead that one off. All right, so for the elderly division, mm. these are the old guys. Um, this was this was weird for me, but uh, <laughs> VJ Singh. All right, so th- there were three guys you put here: <laughs> VJ Singh, Stuart Sink, and Jim Furyk. All guys that are actually playing still on tour, or at least playing par- this week, playing this week, or partially uh, on the senior tour and whatever else. But V, I would want to kill VJ. I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, like everything about him wants me to just like. I don't want to punch him in the face and punch him in the face over and over and over again. So I just feel like VJ would be the <laughs> would be the fight to the death. Um, yeah. Sink would be the roommate, and you know what? Here's what's interesting about that because Oof. he's a Georgia Tech guy. He's a, yeah. He, so there'd be a little bit there, but I think he'd just be a cool guy to hang out with, kind of relax, sort of chill. We hung out with well, we didn't really hang out with him. We saw him at the Kills event last fall. Just kind of a cool, chill guy. I'm okay with that. And you know what, Furick? He might. I feel like Furick sleeping with my wife. He, you know, he's got that alternative swing. He's got the crazy thing going on there. Like maybe he could teach her something. So maybe, there's, maybe there's some teaching. <laughs> I did not see you going there. That's hilarious. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have gone there. Sally, if you, if you listen to this, just remember oh it's all about content. It's all about content, baby. I love That's it. That's the best. I did not see that going there. Okay. Well, like the first one, we went pretty opposite on this one. Um, oh, God. Can you imagine me letting my wife, like, let's say we did this, like, in consecutive nights. You know, and like By I the way, let... Sally, David comes up with these questions. I just want if you because I know you've been listening a lot more lately. Go ahead, go ahead David. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's say we let you know, I let Adam Scott get with Kristen, you know, and she's like, Oh my god, what a dream boat. And then the next thing that walks in is VJ Singh. <laughs> I chose I chose VJ because of that stupid ass laugh he has. And in fact the the microphones picked it up. A couple weeks ago when he was in the running at the Honda. Have you ever heard VJ laugh? If you haven't, Google it, YouTube it. But it's like, <laughs> it's like the, it's the dumbest laugh. And I just feel like at some point he would laugh and Kristen would want to just go off on him and she would hate him. So I just figured, you know, hey, I come out looking like a, like a, like I come out smelling like a rose in that scenario especially when he's got to follow Adam Scott. So I, th- I thought VJ was the good one to let go with the wife. Sink was an easy decision to beat up because he's a Georgia Tech guy. I got to be able to find a reason to want to beat him and fight him to the death. So I feel like Sink, Georgia Tech, Georgia, it's the good old-fashioned hatred, you know, the, the, the old, old-fashioned hate rivalry there. That was easy. And Furyk can be the roommate. We met Furyk at a Top Golf event a couple years ago. Super nice guy. I don't know that I'd want to fight Furyk either. Uh, he's he's actually bigger than you think. Um, so anyway, that that was easy for me. Um, but yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. The the final division is the Pod Bro division. These are guys who have been on the podcast. 
This is just a few of them. That, that, that There's a lot of them in this field that have actually been on the podcast, but I picked three. Tony Finau, Billy Horschel, and Kevin Kisner. Now, I think this one was also... This one's also pretty easy. Kisner has to be the one you fight because he's the most punchable guy that I know that I also really, really like. I mean, Kiz, you heard it on the John Tillery podcast, Kiz is the most lovable asshole on the planet. So if you need a reason to fight any one of these three guys, I mean, you can't fight Tony Finau. He's literally the nicest human on the planet, and he's Mormon, for God's sakes. Like, you you don't want to hit a Mormon. So, like, Kiz would be super easy to want to fight, and he's short. I know he's scrappy. I feel like he'd give me a run, but he's shorter. I don't want to fight Finau with, like, the reach. You know, his arms are as tall, as long as me. So I, I feel like Kiz was the logical fight. And the other factor in there was there is no way you want to let Kiz sleep with your wife because you would never hear the end of it, ever, ever. You would never, you would never hear the end of it, knowing how much trash that fool talks. You wouldn't want that. So Kisner's the fight. Uh, Finau is who I would send off to the wife. You know, this would also be kind of a favor to the wife. She likes, uh, you know, darker, darker complexion men. I know, I, I know. I also sent VJ in there, but that <laughs> laugh overcomes a lot. But Tony just. He's just such a nice guy, kind of like what you said about Jason Day. Like, I just feel like he would be so nice, and he would be easy and like gentle, and you know, it'd be all good. It wouldn't be weird. He'd just be a nice guy. And so then Billy Ho's my roommate, man. Me and me and Billy Ho. I know he's a Gator, but we've had Billy Ho on the show. He's a great guy. I feel like we we see eye to eye on some things other than college football and college sports. But you know, I, I like Billy Ho. I live we live in Ponte Vedra. We we do our thing. That's it. <laughs> well, I'm a little different on this one too. I mean, this is crazy how different we thought about this. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's one we're similar on, and that's Finau. The Kisner okay. would be my roommate because obviously, I just, I mean, he's a bulldog. I'd love just hanging out with him. I, he'd just be cool dude to hang out with. So I, I don't. I get that. I get I mean, that. There's just yeah, Horschel's the guy I'm gonna kill because he's a gator. I don't really feel like I have a whole lot of common with him. I mean, he wears his hat backwards on the last. Yeah, you don't because you're not very you're not very cool. So. No, I mean, me and Horschel, he's not cool. Yeah, I don't he is. Really, uh, whatever. I mean, I like him. Right. I mean, we had him on the show. He was fine. I mean, I like him as a person. He's I, way cooler than you. Whatever. Still, I don't. I don't know. Not. Not. A, yeah. So whatever for Horschel. Finau would be, yes, he'd be the one I, I agree with you on as far as uh, sleeping with the wife. But it was for different reasons because my thought was that, like, if something happened and, like, maybe, you know, something slipped past the goalie, that maybe, like, there'd be, <laughs> like, I'd have some supremely athletic kids. I didn't think that either. I didn't so go I thought like that. I thought if something happened, oh if something went awry, 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 awry <laughs> that uh, you know, I mean, I would probably take ownership, oh, and uh, you know, who knows? Uh, well, I mean, you know, you got to think, man. Him going in there as the Mormon, he he probably is way more nervous than our wives would be, you know, at that point. So he's going to be really calm, cool, and collected. Hard to perform when you're nervous too. We know that for a fact too. Um, that was fantastic. All right. Um, hey, listen, if you have chunk and run questions, we need you to email them to us. Info at tourjunkies.com. Submit a chunk and run question. We need them. We appreciate them. They add great content. Finally for the night, our run portion of the chunk and run is this from our boy Kyle. 
who's like the king of chunk and run questions. At this point, Kyle's getting some free stuff. Like somebody needs needs to dethrone Kyle from being the best chunk and run submitter guy that we have. Um, he said this: write a Tinder profile for your co-host. This is going to be fun. Um, you know, I, I, my wife and I actually talk about this a lot. Like, we're old enough that we don't, we didn't grow up in this like internet dating thing or this app-based dating thing. Yeah. I've been married coming up on twelve years. One. Yeah, like so, I had to Google a little bit about what's I popular did. with Tinder I profiles. Like, if you're looking at my Google history, <clears throat> it is worst <laughs> Tinder profiles, best Tinder mm. profiles, and funniest Tinder profiles. All right, um, I'll start. I'll start. I feel like yours is going to be better than mine. I kind of took two formats here. I took the format of like a little brief description, but then I did a format where people write fake reviews, like what someone that you would have gone on a date with would say about you that indicates something about you, but also a greater than, less than section where like it talks about what you think is better than something else. kind of gives you a little insight into who you are. So just bear with me. The opening line says, Pat Perry, age 42, hailing from Savannah, Georgia. I love shades of brown in my closet, the missionary position, online pharmacies, wine, and I hope to one day make love at least quarterly or bi-quarterly with the one I love. And then it says, greater than, less than, pleats, greater than flat fronts, rosé, Greater than all other alcohol. Course history, duh, greater than everything. Cavity backs, greater than blades. Drunk tweeting, greater than sober tweeting. JB Holmes, greater than Brooks Kepka. Technology sucks and Freddie Couples completes me. Now, I have two reviews that were left here on Pat's Tinder profile. One says, Pat sure was a southern, genteel, old kind of soul. He did, he did spend a little too much time driving me about his gated community where he lives on an island as we had to cross the bridge to his home. And he also used the word again many, many times, even though what he had said previously or what he thought he had said previously, he had never actually said. And then finally, Pat was a great guy. He incessantly talked about some love, affection, love affair that he has for D.B., I feel like I learned more about this DB character than I did Pat. He went on and on about how amazing DB was and how special he was and what a good guy he was and all that he did for Pat. It was kind of weird, but at the end of the date, it was actually a good time, but it took a few Tito's to really get him going. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you took it from a different angle again than I did. Um <laughs> Because you did the reviews and all that, but speaking of what you just said, I had two written up for you. So I'll talk. I'll talk both of them because one of them was was shorter, but it actually goes off of some of what you just said. You know, we're talking about the profile for David Barnett, who's thirty five years old. His first Young one. Stallion. This is this is the first one. My name is David Barnett. People call me DB. Actually, no, wait, let me, let me, let me back up, back up, back up. <laughs> My name is David Barnett. Please call me DB. 
I like bourbon, beer, and boobs. Swipe right. You'll thank me later. Okay. All right. The next one. David Barnett, age 35, Augusta, Georgia. I called a first-round leader bet. Properly (laughs) faded Tiger Woods and picked Dustin Johnson to win a golf tournament. Wrote, recorded, produced, edited, and published a podcast all in the same day. Oh, and I hit my driver 325 yards left or right, but preferably right for you ladies. Mm. I thought there's a little symbolism there. You like that? Swipe right? Yeah. Preferably right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. I was, I was going somewhere else with that. Nice. All right. Well, I feel like mine would catch more more chicks than yours, but, I mean, that's not shocking, I think, either. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> great podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. We're, we're back every single week. It's not this long, and it's not this ridiculous, but we are back every single week. May your screens be green for the Players' Championship. See you! Oh!